Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks, they traded back. They made their first trade of the day. They waited until their fourth round pick to do it, but they traded with the Bucks. They moved back to number 137 overall from 129, and they picked up 217, a pick in the sixth round to make that move back. Joining me to talk about the pick that they made, though, EJ Snyder from Bootleg Football joining the show, Windy City Gridiron. The Seahawks, they don't normally take dudes from Oklahoma, so this has really been my first opportunity to really let this loose since I've been covering the Seahawks, but <laughs> Boomer! Oh, I was waiting for that. That's awesome. I wasn't sure you were going to do that. That's great. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, Trey Brown, corner from uh, Oklahoma, and uh, had a really good senior bowl. Uh, showed some true fluidity and coverage. And the question that you and I had, you know, pre-podcast is, are they going to make him an outside corner? He played outside primarily at Oklahoma. Very but much he did so. Shift, and he he did cover guys in the slot. And the 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 kicker for us, as is always the case with the Hawks, he does not fit their outside profile, not at all. His, and his so measurements that, do not w- line up. He wasn't a guy that I even considered. But in terms of, I think there's a couple things that we should consider. One is they they got DJ Reed from San Francisco last year, and he has had success as an outside corner. Mm-hmm. And I wonder partly if it is a function of the type of receivers that they're starting to face within the division. Uh, you got Cooper Cup that plays for the Rams, and you know you got Debo, and and so I'm wondering if based on the division, if these smaller type corners now are are kind of the way that they're leaning. So there's that factor of it too. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. They may see him as a a slot corner, but gosh, they have guys to do that already. So they also, I think, see him as a special teamer. We talked about with Eskridge after the press conference, or after we talked, the Seahawks had the press conference. They talked about Eskridge as a gunner uh, on special Saw teams. That. He has the, the kick return ability. And... Brown's kind of the same guy. He has the special teams ability. And and so I think they're looking at that, too. Yeah. Adaptation is a really interesting theme here because we say, oh, the Seahawks have a thing, right? Well, things don't stay the same. To your point, the league shifts what they're facing and opposing offenses shifts and their defense is going to have to shift as well. And we're seeing this, you know, league wide that defensive back is a more applicable title for a lot of guys. We look at like Ugo Amadi and Ugo Amadi played some corner. I thought he was a great nickelback, but I also thought, Hey, what if they make that guy a safety with his range and you're seeing more three safety looks. So is it really a safety? Is it a nickel corner? Is it a slot defender? Is it a just defensive back? And I think with Trey Brown, that's a possibility, right? Is that they move him inside and you call him whatever you want. You call him a third safety, call him a slot defender, you call him a nickel, whatever. Um, but he's going to be facing, you know, varying threats from the offense because it's not just little guys that play in the slot anymore. The big slot is one of the most popular NFL roles. We saw, you know, Chase Claypool in in the Steelers. Like, that's a big guy that we talked about possibly converting to tight end. He took reps from the slot. There's a lot of guys in college who are really tall, what we would consider A number one receivers, they put them in the slots so that they can have a two-way go 
on every route. It's not just boundary and in. It's you got to cover this guy because he's big and he's fast and he can go left or right, and that makes it more difficult for the defense. So defenses have to adjust with guys that have more skills and not just say, oh, he's a little shorter. We're going to make that guy a slot. Take a guy like Brown with some outside experience and say, you're going to track the most effective receivers, and if he happens to play slot, you're going to go there. I think one of the things that jumped out at me is is his ability to, as a smaller corner, to play press. Yeah, he does play press. He is physical. He uses leverage pretty well. Um, not a ton of corners in college play press. <laughs> a lot of them play man, but not too many of them play press because press in college is scary and you can look dumb really fast. So a lot of guys will play off man trail um all that but not very many guys play press and brown is feisty he will get up he is physical he does like to use the boundary on the outside and you like to see that as an outside corner it's a little tougher to do in the slot because again if you go to press that guy left and he gets across your face right he's he's gone he's got a lot of real estate and if you're in a man look without a safety overhanging you can get embarrassed that can be a very long gain so um Let's just say the risk of playing press in the slot goes up because, again, you do have more space and the guy can really go anywhere on you. So uh, Brown is an intriguing guy. He's very fluid. He is physical. He's feisty. I like that about him. Uh, he will get after receivers. I'm sure the Seahawks like that. They like their corners physical and feisty and their safeties too. Amadi was that way. Amadi is super aggressive going back to his days at Oregon. So uh, I think they probably see a little bit of him in there. And I think the role designation is a little more fluid. You know, we're talking about outside or slot. Well, I'm probably going to play both. I, I'm for them. actually, I'm leaning more toward the outside with this pick EJ. I know the the hmm. size profile makes you think inside, but I, I don't know. Man. It'll be fascinating. I it, And this is one of the great things about the draft is we can start to kind of read the tea leaves about how teams are lining up based on who they're picking uh, or what they're doing in the draft. One of the most interesting themes of this draft is Carolina. They have been trading back consistently, right? They didn't move up for a quarterback. They got Sam Darnold. They paid the fifth year option. They are not banking on Sam Darnold being good. They have traded back like four times in this draft and picked up picks for next year. Right. They're building a war chest for any quarterback that comes along if Sam doesn't play well. And you can just tell that from their draft strategy. They're like, nope, give me a pick next year. Give me a pick next year. Um, you look at the Lions building from the inside out with interior pressure and a local guy going out of UW, Levi, right? They got Levi and Aleem McNeil, and you know they're going to run a one-gap penetrating system on the inside because of who they're picking up on personnel. So the whole, like, how do you pick them and how are you going to deploy them? And there's always those guys that get picked. Brett and I are like, okay, are they label him an outside linebacker or are they labeling him an inside linebacker? Like, they're going to rush with him or are they going to cover? Okay, I like that move more because he's a rusher and they're saying rusher. And this is this kind of move for the Hawks, right? What are they going to do with him? Is he going to be outside? Are they going to play him slot? Are they going to convert him to a safety? Um, and it'll be fascinating to see how they deploy him based on, again, how they see him, not how we see him. Right. And that's going to be, I think, one of the biggest questions that comes out in the press conference after day three when you're talking to Pete Carroll, especially, you know, have they shifted at, at their type? What did they like about Brown? Do they see him at which spot? And and he may not commit to any particular spot, but uh, they are going for guys on special teams. And with only a couple picks, that was, I think, why I tried to focus on that when I, I talked about different players is the ability that guys also can offer on special teams because that's kind of their way in, I feel like, sometimes. 
to getting starting reps is, oh, is making sure. their presence Especially known on special teams. When you're getting picked later, you have to have special teams ability. That's all there is to it. Like if you're going to make an NFL roster as a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, well, definitely as a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick, unless you have a tremendous skill, <laughs> you know, you're a great boundary receiver that just fell because of maybe a medical concern or something, but everybody else, I don't care what position you play if you're tight end if you're a safety if you're you're going to play special teams and you better be able to make the team that way in the third phase so brown has a leg up there um but we should talk about the fact that i would have won my bet i was only one pick off i was going to bet 50 bucks that the seahawks traded down out of their round two pick they (laughs) waited until the next pick to trade down but they did it yeah they they did do it eventually if they didn't trade out of this pick they they would have had no chance so yeah so they picked up some extra picks and of course that's a very john schneider move and he will take more bites at the apple he is that's one of the things i most respect about john schneider is he he has some ego i think all gms have ego but he doesn't have enough ego to say oh i'll be fine with what i've got he's like give me the picks like give me more swings because he knows that some of those guys are going to hit and some won't so he will take the extra bites well with the selection of trey brown out of oklahoma in the fourth round they only pick up one extra pick they're going to have to wait now until the sixth and seventh round to make their final two picks who knows maybe they do trade back once again pick up an extra seventh or something moving out of that spot in the sixth but we will wait and see i'm going to be waiting to see because there was a cornerback that i was i was hoping that they would take corner with this next pick it was just a different corner that i was interested in gonna talk to ej about him coming up next talking to ej snyder of bootleg football also of bears over beers and one of the windy city gridiron podcasts and the guy i was pounding the table for going into this round ej israel mukwamu we talked a little bit about him before He was a guy that I feel like fits the prototype a little bit more. And Mm. uh, I'm a little bit bummed that didn't happen. But did you see his tweet Uh, after day uh, after yesterday? Yeah. Mukuamu. Did he just say bet? Bet. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody was saying, yeah, he's not that good. And he just said bet. He's got a chip (laughs) on his shoulder. He's he's coming and he he does fit the profile for length, for physical, for press outside man, which is where he played in 2019 and did really well. So uh, and he's still out there. There's nothing saying that they don't have another shot at him with the way that they used him last year. I think that could turn a lot of people off. But if they go back and watch him in 2019, Mm-hmm. The dude was he was solid. He was an eraser outside as a press man corner last year. What Brandon's referring to is that they ended up playing him at free safety because they had a need on defense there. And they said, hey, can you help us out? And he struggled with injuries. He was in and out of the lineup with injuries last year in South Carolina. So position change, role change. And he looked lost as yeah. a free safety. He was terrible. Um, but in the few reps where they said, okay, we're going to swap our two high safeties and you're going to go press a guy, whether it was, you could see, he was like, all right, this is what I do. And it was like, that's the guy we saw in 2019. So I'm sure the Hawks and every other scout out there was watching and saying, look, this guy is a press man, physical corner with great length. If we can get him there and the injury profile, which is much harder uh, hurdle to get over this year because of COVID and lack of, combine medical testing and rechecks and all that stuff so you got to be comfortable with the medical because he did had several injuries last year and then you got to be willing to play him up on the boundary pressing guys because that's where he's good but because of playing out of position the medical and the bad tape last year 
the Hawks could totally luck into him with one of those two later picks they've got coming up. And it is a little surprising they didn't go offensive line once again. I, you know, as an Oklahoma guy, I, I almost would have. You know, I I like the center. I kind of wish they would have gone that way in round two, and then maybe for sure. Uh, you know, we talked about oh the the North Texas receiver who that's who the Bucks Jaylen picked Darden. up Jalen yep. Darden with the Seahawks pick, and they better. fill the same role. <laughs> they do. Those they fill guys, the same role. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So be interesting to see. It's always uh, the what ifs always go yeah. through your mind. What if they didn't pick Eskridge and what if they picked the center and then got Darden and stay that, you know, that's the that game will drive you nuts, but it's fun to play. Um, it'll be really interesting. Like Eskridge, it's very interesting that they like his special teams ability as much as they did to highlight that first thing in the introductory press conference. John Schneider talked about it directly, showed a video clip. Um And then, you know, they do get an extra swing. So maybe they are looking at a guy that they think is going to drop, whether it's Mukuamu or whether it's somebody that's still in the interior offensive line class. There's a bunch of guys out there. Maybe it's a Drake Jackson, uh, the center from Kentucky. Maybe it's uh, Trey Smith uh, is still out there. Trey Smith is still out there. And Trey Hill is also still out there. All the the trays. Draft all the trays. Draft all the trays. (laughs) If you drafted all the trays, the offensive line would look pretty good. Um, So it's, you know, he's not done yet. He could trade back again and pick up even another pick if he sees a guy sliding. Um, You know, if he likes guys this year, could defer it to next year. Uh, Schneider is... uh, some are predictable that he wants more swings, but other than that, that's where the predictability ends. Well, once one thing I do want to say before we get out of here, EJ, is that being an Oklahoma fan and watching the Oklahoma defense can be a struggle at times. Indeed. <laughs> but but PFF tweeted out at PFF College, Trey Brown, lowest passer rating allowed in single coverage in the 2021 draft class, a 26.9 rating. Yeah, he's good, man. Like there are guys that are good in man and there are guys that are good in man and zone and there are guys that are only good in zone. Um, Trey Brown is good in man. He is, again, a guy that's going to get after a wide receiver. And a lot of wide receivers don't like that. They would rather have a guy playing off that they could beat with a couple of steps. They don't like guys that are feisty and get up in their face and really challenge their routes. Um, Thinking about the guy the Giants took, Aaron Robinson from UCF, is one of the best in this draft in the slot. They're a super physical guy that just nothing is easy. He will grind every rep. Trey's not quite like that, but he's closer to that than he is one of those pure off guys that just does is always making business decisions and keeping hands off receivers. He's not that guy at all. And he plays within that style very well, as evidenced by that number. He's EJ Snyder of bootleg football. EJ, I know you guys have been uh, rocking the live stream over at YouTube. If people want to go and close out the day and check that out, where do they go? Bootleg football podcast on YouTube. Just search it. Uh, click on the live stream. It's right on the top right now. Um, or you can follow uh, me on Twitter at the Draftsman FB or my co-host Brett Coleman of the YouTube Film Room. Uh, we're both there, so you can follow us on Twitter. Find it there. You can just go straight to YouTube. Go straight to the source and type in Bootleg Football Podcast. And you guys still doing the promo code for the T-shirts? You get your Seahawks we, colors with the Bootleg Football logo. Absolutely. For folks that don't know, we did open a web store with the Bootleg football podcast merchandise so it's at bootlegfootballpodcast.com and we're running a special all week for the draft it is draft 2021 is the promo code all caps no spaces and we do have the bootleg football t-shirts in 
any team variant that you want from the NFL. So if you are a Seahawks fan, which you probably are, if you're listening to Brandon, you can pick that up. Or if you're one of those split households and maybe you have some, I don't know, know, Niners loyalties, you can get one of those too. We're agnostic. We serve everybody. So uh, yeah, check it out. You get 10% off any item on the bootleg store using that promo code. Again, draft 2021. He's EJ Snyder. A big thanks for coming on. And yeah, maybe if John Schneider just sticks with the the two final picks, maybe we, we pair those together and uh, have you on to, to close out day three. Hey, sounds like a solid deal. I'd be happy to do it. All right. Well, until then, go Hawks. <laughs>